0: I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast, because Rod and Karen are hot. Rappers, I monkey-flip'em with a funky rhythm I be kickin'. Musician-inflictin' composition of pain, I'm like Scarface, sniffin' cocaine. Holdin' a M16, see with the pen I'm extreme. Now bullet holes left in my peepholes, I'm suited up in street clothes. Hand me a nine, and I'll defeat foes.
1: Hey, welcome to the Blackout Out Touch Podcast, your host Rod Ed. Karen. And uh we're back on a uh Tuesday mm-hmm. afternoon. A s- snowy Tuesday. A snowy Tuesday this afternoon. all day here. Yes. Yeah, gonna be snowing for a couple of days. Yes, it is. I uh, went outside earlier. It was uh covered in white. It was like a Seinfeld casting call. Um Duh. and uh we said, look, man, um it's a it's it's about that time where love is in the air yes it is um it's almost time for valentine's and i went wanted to get one of my favorite people that i like to hear talk about relationship stuff yes and and all that uh last time he came on the show he schooled us about um you know some different dating um points of views when it comes to relationships and stuff and uh i enjoyed that conversation the audience enjoyed it thoroughly um so we invited back uh my man mike Kaplan. Uh, from the hangout with me podcast where well, you can find it on keithandthegirl.com slash hang you can also find uh his work and his his dates and whatnot at mike kaplan's myq com and on twitter he's mike kaplan on twitter and uh one of the great like best twitter follows i think out there mm-hmm. um just consistently uh knocking it out the park so what's going on mike Hey, thanks so much for having me back
0: and, uh, for the kind words as always. I appreciate the favorites and retweets and responses and podcast guestings and I'll just name all the things that I appreciate. I'm thankful for, uh, I liked your Seinfeld joke about how white it is. Uh, Sorry if that's extra in, uh, black history month. It's snowing. Like that's just, you know, God's way of saying, you know, why, why is maybe it should just be black history. I mean, night, you've got tons of, it. To, every night it's black history night.
1: So. That is uh, true.
0: <laughs> but yeah, happy, happy to be here. Happy to chat with you guys about whatever you want to talk about.
1: Um, so what's been going on, man? We haven't talked to you in probably like six to eight months and I heard you were, uh, working with, um, totally Bias and W. Kamal Bell, um, kind of like opening up um i, I oh, guess yeah. it, like what exactly was that job and what did you have to do there
0: uh i was uh one of the warm-up comedians so it wasn't just me but uh i i did it for i think end of august beginning of september through when they finished in mid-november and they were supposed to just go on hiatus but then found out the hi. i mean you know it's a hiatus uh, <laughs> for, uh, maybe, uh until, look, everything's a hiatus until you're dead. Uh, life, life is just a hiatus between not existing and not existing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would. I mean, I was thrilled to be a part of it. I, I was doing uh so. Doing warm up was. I would go in, like you know, they would. Their writers worked super hard. Like they, you know, originally, like a year ago, they did uh, on FX. They were on once a week, and then they did well enough, and they liked them. Uh, and it was a great show. So they were like, why don't we do it five times a week? So they would, you know, come in every, like Monday to Thursday, they would tape shows uh, and the, their writers would come in, I assume in the morning and then, uh, you know, write all day and rehearse. And then eventually they would start taping around between six and seven at night and uh, do that every day. And I came in at like, you know, five thirty or six. And then right before they started taping, I'd go out for anywhere between like 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes uh, and, you know, sort of warm up the crowd. Uh, you know, so sort of essentially I would mostly just do my comedy and sort of get them ready for whatever was going to be happening, sometimes introduce clips, some, and then I would come out in between uh, when they, you know, when there was a commercial break, Kamal would head off stage and I would come back on and just, you know, sort of keep uh, chatting with the audience, keep telling jokes, uh, keep them awake and alert and uh, appropriate, rea- appropriately reactive for uh, the entirety of the show.
1: So, um, are you doing the same thing every night, or is it, like, do you mix it up, or, like, how does that go? Uh,
0: for that job,
1: I would. there were definitely some
0: jokes that I felt like were real, you know. I- obviously, like, when I do my own comedy, I can do whatever I want. Uh, you know, I can... Uh, as long as I, you know, obviously I might, I might take into mind, you know, oh, am I going to get booked here again? But in general, if somebody, you know, books me to be on a show and do my comedy is because they know who I am and the kind of thing that I do. If not, you know, they're not booking me because like, oh, I love this one joke. So come here and do this (laughs) one joke. Uh, Though I have heard, actually heard some bookers be like, oh, I booked this guy and he didn't do this joke that I liked. Oh, well. But, <laughs> you know, in general, you're booking a comedian and then you trust that, you know, you, if you liked Brian Regan two years ago, even if he's doing a whole different hour now, you're probably going to enjoy Brian Regan's comedy now. Uh, but he could totally change. Who knows? Next year, <laughs> filthy. But... <laughs> Uh, I, so when I, you know, when I'm doing my, in you know, my own stuff and I'm ob- obligated to nobody, like, I'll do whatever I want and I'll mix it up and, you know, riff and say new things, every, you know, maybe every night, you know, I'll be working on jokes here and there, so obviously if you see me over the course of a few weeks, you might see, uh, the same jokes in, you know, growing and, uh, or you might see them exactly the same, like, there's no, no guarantees, but for, when I was opening for, you know, doing the warm-up for Kamau's show, uh, obviously I was there to, as kind of a cog in a wheel, like part of a machine, uh, that I couldn't just be like, well, you know, maybe I'll try a new thing and if it doesn't work, oh well, I guess Kamau's show won't be enjoyable tonight, but, uh, <laughs> not to say that I was responsible entirely, obviously their show was great, their segments were great, but, you know, the, the better job I could do, uh, the, you know, the, the more set up, uh, they were for success, uh, hopefully is the, is the idea, so there were definitely some jokes that I would, uh, do, if not every time, like I, you know, I have over the course of many years written hours and hours of comedy, uh, and so, and in that 10 to 20 minutes, I would do a lot of the, some, some, some hits, you know, some things mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Kamau has a certain, uh, you know, style and a certain, uh, set of topics that he likes to talk about, so like I definitely was aware of that, and I actually sort of, you know, took some jokes out of retirement, like that might have been from Old CDs just because I thought that, oh, they'll really enjoy this joke, the, like, this set of jokes about, you know, race or, uh, politics or, you know, homophobia, like sort of, uh, more socially relevant things. But also, I would talk about things that, you know, just jokes that worked. They, mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah, did, did that answer your question? I hope yeah, so. Yeah. I'm done uh, talking about
1: it. You always thoroughly answer every question, man. Uh, you're so good at that. Um, now, did you feel like, cause it sounds like you just said, you kind of knew it was getting canceled, but you still had to go out and do some more shows?
0: Uh, I only, I only found out it was going to be canceled. I think the writers found out. I think everybody found out the day before. Oh. And so there was, I think like it was the final show was a Thursday and I went in on Wednesday that week and it was supposed to be a, like they were supposed to go on break for, uh, the holiday season. So like mid November to January was going to be time off. And so they knew, everybody knew about that heading up to it, but then that wednesday i got in and i guess they had all everybody had just found, found out word came down chris rock was there he's you know one of the producers so i think he, i don't know if he broke the news to uh, some of the people but uh so definitely there was that that wednesday and then the follow, and then the next day that you know people were definitely disappointed but I think I honestly feel like that last show, that final one, there's probably the biggest audience that crammed the most people in there. And it was like one of one of the best, you know, one of the most enjoyable, one of the best crowds, one of the greatest shows. Like, so, you know, it wasn't like they were just going to be like, well, then never mind. We're not going to put on a good show. Uh, if you don't want to see it, then, then who can we're not going to do
1: it? They should have done the most uh politically incorrect, Correct. homophobic, racist show and just like completely uh signed off the air and had everybody go, What the fuck was that? To- <laughs> totally biased didn't get it didn't get cancelled. Uh they they got they quit.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> they were basically doing that the whole time anyway, so <laughs> um,
1: did you find it harder to do jokes in an audience with um uh, such like political um uh, like morals, are, you know, not that I think you're, you're I don't really think your act is offensive or, or whatnot, but just, you know, um, I feel like with certain crowds, your joke almost has to go through a checklist before it is like approved to be laughed at. And, uh, I think like that, cause I, I like that show. Um, but it's almost like, uh, Bill Maher's show or, you know, you're talking about politics and you have a certain type of crowd. So they may or may not, um, accept you know, certain type of premises, because it's like, I don't like the power structure of this joke.
0: I understand what you're saying. I think I was fortunate enough that number one, uh, like, I think that my, you know, the me as a a human being and the kind of jokes that I, you know, like to talk, uh, you know, if I'm talking about uh, social issues, like, I think I'm on like the same side as the show. So it's like, even if uh, you're, you know, maybe a joke goes, quote unquote, too far for the audience, like the fact that I'm there uh, and like, you know, I, clearly like I didn't just show up and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going to do this. Like and then you're <laughs> going to see like, you know, obviously I would like the fact that Kamau and uh and his uh producers and everybody else working on the show were happy to have me there like, oh, this guy is on our side. So, you know, if I, and I wasn't there like telling jokes that were like, you know, uh here's what I think about why rich people are all in the right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, if I had a joke like that, I, I wouldn't mind telling because obviously like uh the show was sort of unabashedly liberal mm-hmm. uh and you know, on the side of the downtrodden, the poor, the oppressed, the you know, the that's coming at the power structures. So it's like but also on that side of things is like freedom of speech. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not as though I I feel like I saw Patton Oswalt tweet a couple weeks ago. Uh, he quoted somebody that was talking about political correctness and somebody wrote back and him like, Hey, don't you, do you see where that came from? That came from like a, a conservative guy. And he's like, yeah, well, I still agree <laughs> right. with this thing that he ah. said. Like we both agree that political correctness, ha- you know, in, and that's like a, per- it was sort of a perfect example of the thing that he was talking about. Political correctness run amok. Like uh, obviously words aren't the problem in general. Like, uh, I remember when the whole rape culture, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, uh, comedy, you know, rape taboo, uh, issues, like with Daniel Tosh, or one of the things that was going on was in, uh, the news, or as much of the comedy world's news as it was. I remember Kurt Metzger said, uh, who was like, uh, on the side of like, comedy is the, you know, if it's funny, like, who cares? And uh, that is, you know, for comedy, that makes sense. And, right. uh, I def, and he was like, if there's a problem with, you know, rape in the world, it's in the real he's like there on the one one hand, on the one side there's the the real world and things that are happening, on the other side there's comedy and the and art and the things that are happening there. He's like, so when people are trying to nitpick about, you know, and not to say that it is all nitpicking, because right. comedy and art do exist in the real world, so it's not that there's necessarily a strict, you know, separation. But he's saying, if you want to address the problem, address it in the real world, don't address it in the things that comedians are specifically saying about it, which, uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he said, but I thought that, that was a, uh, a fine and interesting point. So the point is that more talking is almost always the answer. So if somebody's like, hey, shush, don't talk about that, don't say, like, when people like, just apologize, don't, don't even talk about it, like, the question of why, like when when Tracy Morgan said that he would stab his son in the throat if he found out that he was gay, or whatever specific thing that he said. Please do research, get your facts straight. I don't <laughs> know what I'm talking about. But like Louis C.K. was one of the people to not come to his defense, but come to the defense of like comedy and speech and understanding by like asking questions and learning. Be like, oh, you don't seem like you're uh, a bad person, Tracy Morgan. Why did you say this? Why did you say this thing that a lot of people Thing, like, you know, there's certainly hateful people in the world that do think that and would think that thing that, you're, that you've that you said as a joke of some kind. Like, most people weren't in the room. Most people in the world weren't in the room, so we don't know necessarily the entire context. So, like, have more of a conversation about it. So, to get back to the thing that you said, like, I've been – I felt like by being uh the warm-up guy on Kamau's show, I mean, most of the people there liked what I – the audiences were great, number mm-hmm. one, for the most part uh i was they were really you know sort of ethnically diverse they were uh demo like age-wise diverse like there was tons of like you know older people and younger people black people white people uh probably nothing else but black people and white people no Asians. <laughs> no uh mexicans no there probably were those as well uh those i'm in trouble but uh <laughs> there was all kinds of those you guys uh but uh basically so i think uh not that not to say that it's weird that Freedom of speech isn't necessarily a liberal or conservative thing because, like, you know, you'll have a conservative talk show host that'll say something that people are like, whoa, I can't believe you said that. That's a, a horribly ignorant thing to say. Do you really mean that? It's like, no, I'm just joking. But then on the on the other side of things, there's, you know, the most liberal of comedians will, you know, I'll talk about Incest or pedophilia or bestiality or necrophilia. And like, not to say that I'm like, these are all things that I support. You know, like, <laughs> like, like, there are some people who are like, I don't want to hear any of that, you know? And right. I'm like, well, then don't listen to me. I'm, because I'm going <laughs> to say whatever I want to say. And I understand that some people take things more like emotionally. Uh, like, you know, I, a friend, Shane Moss, who's a comedian, real funny guy who had a joke years ago, a, like a five minute chunk about, He'd, he'd like found online, uh, a sex dictionary or something and found something called the pudding pop, which was using frozen feces as a sex toy. Uh, and so then he had this whole chunk about the poopsicle and, uh, he, (laughs) uh, some, I forget, uh, I can't do it all, but like one of the lines was, he's like, well, call me old fashioned, but, uh. That one sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> like in, in this whole, you know, obviously that's not a thing that most people do. And I, I, as a person hearing it, I'm like, that is a, it, it was a really funny bit, but mm-hmm. I understood that some people were just like, that's a gross image. I don't want to think about, uh, use, like they couldn't help but viscerally feel it. I feel like the same way that if you tell a joke about cancer, it's mm-hmm. just about cancer. You're not saying you're for cancer. Obviously you don't want. A lot of people to die of cancer. What, or if you do, maybe you want the right people to die right. of cancer. Yeah. Not everybody. But, <laughs> but, but if you're on the right side of the cancer issue, which is that you want, <laughs> like, you don't want children to die of cancer, but you <laughs> mention cancer and somebody in the audience is, uh, ha- has just gone through something. I mean, right. it's sort of the flip side of things is like, you might have somebody who's like, I've just gone through uh, some sort of experience. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm out because I'm wanting some catharsis and actually hearing about it like helps me like whatever whatever it is but then maybe there's somebody else who's like i want to forget about it i just want to like and now i'm here trying to ignore and now you're saying the same thing and I, like and nobody's wrong in that situation like right. the comedian is allowed should talk about whatever they want to talk about and the person has a right to their emotions and I mean, their feelings. Our,
1: our world in general has conflict to some extent like i think uh sometimes it feels like and and maybe. It depends on how genuine you feel these people are, because I don't know it was necessarily how genuine everybody is all the time and whatnot. And some people have made an industry out of like um, being outraged or calling people out. And, you know, if today it's Steve Martin um, and tomorrow it's someone else, because you need someone to be kind of outraged about every day like uh, you know i think the bar kind of shifts up and down but i I mean you can't bubble wrap the world you know so if you go to a comedy show there he might the the part of what everybody's going for is the spontaneity and the fact that the comedian is going to say something that we don't know what he's going to say yet and you know he's gonna he's gonna set me up and he's gonna pull the rug from under me with this joke so you know i i feel like um some some crowds i wonder like how do comedians handle it if they get in their head, if they worry about stuff? Um, You know, and yeah. also, you're setting up a show, so, you know, if if you feel like you had a bad set, do you feel like, well, now I set up the next skit and it's going to be wrong, or they're not going to like it, or, you know, stuff like that?
0: That's a, a good question. Uh, a couple things. Number one, Manufactured Outrage would be a great name for a radio show, just... <laughs> <laughs> What are we I, mad I, I about today? Got to be mad about something. Hopefully somebody did something. If not, we'll make it up. But
1: <laughs> right, one day I, there could be like a dead day in the news. We could just come on and be like, kittens! Shit! Ah, oh, hate them. Hate them all. Burn yep. Gotta them. do
0: it. It's been a slow news day, you guys. Uh, slow, <laughs> slow news days. I hate them. Uh, but uh, that's a good question. I, I, I felt like the people that I worked with at Totally Biased were super. Like I, you know, I had a, sort of like a producer, somebody that I was, you know, that I answered to that, like, I think one, you know, one day, like, I did summit jokes that I hadn't done before about death, exclusive, like, a lot, a lot, I got into death stuff that some people in the audience were like, you know, and I know this when I, when I talk about it, some people are like, ooh, I don't want to hear a a lot of stuff about death, like, I'm like, we're all gonna, you know, like, basically the message of the underlying, the thing underlying all art and all comedy, which is, uh, let's laugh quick, because we're gonna die eventually, I mean, maybe not all, but, uh... (laughs) Definitely there. I mean, we're right now closer to death than we've ever been. So look out, you know. Uh, try to avoid it. I mean, or don't try. It. Like uh, Head right into it. I mean, whichever way you go, you're heading towards it. So uh, try to take the most windy path you can. <laughs> Labyrinth of life. But so whatever it was, it was maybe stuff like this. But, you know, I was like, we're all going to die. And then, like, the producer was like, hey, uh, just, uh, you know, I love what you're doing. Uh, maybe not as much stuff about how we're all going to die because we want people to be, you know, not just you know, if, if it's going to bum some people out, I understand, like, I don't see that as censorship because it's not the government right. and I can do whatever I want. I don't have to work there. I'm happy to be a part of things. And that was like pretty much the only thing that they ever really uh said to me like that. Okay. Uh, but so if the audience was dead one day, like, you know, I, you know, sometimes <laughs> in the same place, uh, in the same venue, like the same ex- type of people, it looks like for mm-hmm. whatever reason, like the same jokes don't work and, uh, uh, as well as they did another day. And I was never blamed for that for sure. Like they mm. would, I would do the best that I could, uh, and they knew that and they'd seen me succeed in lots of other situations. So they would definitely come up to me after and be like, man, that audience, like they would certainly blame the audience because they are the variable in that situation. Like these jokes have worked, you know, nine times out of ten, like the last two weeks and now they're not working as well. So wait. Who knows? Maybe it's because it's snowy or we started yeah. later or it's just these people are jerks or whatever. Or the if, case. They,
1: if they but, are dead and you're talking about death, you might be hitting too close to home. Oh, yeah. These, close. Uh,
0: why is this audience so dead? Oh, they're <laughs>
1: actually dead people. I got it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, guys. <laughs> but uh, one
0: thing also that uh, was really, I think, helpful to me. Uh, and I think a great thing that they did was I would usually the way the format was I would come out. And like welcome everybody and then say hey check out this highlight reel and then they would show like a five or ten five to ten minute clip uh it was a, a sort of you know a medley uh a montage that's the word when it's not music uh which guess a musical montage too back on track it was a montage of like some of the bet the greatest hits their episodes of the like the first season of previous episodes and the very opening the very Open it. the very first thing that that audience sees as comedy like right after i say check out these clips uh is uh kamau uh talks about uh uh senator aiken i think it was one of the Mm -hmm. this guy aiken who uh talked about legitimate rape i think that was his thing like that you know if somebody's legitimately raped then the body shuts down and doesn't uh, ever get pregnant you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it was basically uh come out I don't I'm gonna paraphrase and might ruin it and not even get the humor across. But he said something like uh Todd Aiken, if there's no such thing as legitimate rape that or if legitimate rape can't really get people pregnant, then why are there so many light-skinned black people in <laughs> Alabama? <laughs> uh, this is totally
2: biased.
0: And then <laughs> the theme song kicked in and you know it shows like, you know, they're totally outrageous, totally, you know, yeah. un PC. Like so If people didn't know what, most of the people coming to see the tapings knew what the show was, number one, knew who Kamau was, knew what his voice was, knew the kinds of things he was gonna be talking about, and if they didn't, then at that moment, they under- if you were like, wait a minute, I don't wanna hear stuff like that, well then, you should leave immediately, or you shouldn't have come, like, there's no way to- the host of the show said, you know, this, quote unquote, outrageous thing, he said, you know, it was, For humor, for it was it was sort of the perfect way to introduce people to be like, this is what the show is about. So by the time I come out and then do my warm up set right after that, like there's almost nothing that I could say that
2: I think (laughs) would uh, shock people any more than that.
1: Yeah, they're almost like Mike is kind of tame.
2: Tame, and for me, Mike, and maybe this is just me. When people come to a comedy show, it's comedy, and and I guess because I like all types of comedy, it's weird to me when people come and fold their arms and look at you and bat their eyes like i'm not laughing today why did you come to a comedy show and you had already made in your mind you're not gonna laugh am i the only one that think doesn't doesn't make sense or you found some or people are finding something to be outraged about it's like it's a comedy show
0: I was just in Minneapolis, which is one of my favorite places to do comedy and, uh, and it's a great, they have a great art scene there. There's like more theaters per capita than New York City in the Minneapolis, uh, area and they've got millions of people there. It's like a smaller city, but tons of, you know, art and culture and like there's several full-time comedy clubs and one of the best in the country, Acme. I love, I've been there for the past three years and it's always wonderful. Uh and they bring in, like, great comedians. And so a comedian from there was telling me, a friend of mine was saying that he saw Nick DiPaolo there. Mm-hmm. And, like, so sometimes, you know, they do a great job of booking a diverse set of comedians. Like, you know, uh they'll have... Uh, some people like you know, like Andy Kindler, who, if you don't know who he is, then you might not like what he does. Like, we're like, and sort of the, every comedian is like that. If you don't, <laughs> I mean, every, every comedian, every musician, every type of art isn't for everybody, right? right? Like you, everybody's going to have their taste. Every food doesn't taste the same to people. Like if, you know, I, I could be somebody's favorite and I could be somebody's least favorite, you know, everybody like Andy Kindler can be both in the same show, you know, mm-hmm. like, so there's certainly the best thing the best way to go to a comedy show is to number 1 know that it you know if you don't know who the comedians are then know that you it might not be your thing. You wouldn't just go to a movie and be like, "Give me uh, whatever movie is playing." <laughs> True. Like, you wouldn't just go to a, you know, I wonder what kind of music they're doing at Carnegie Hall tonight. <laughs> maybe you would, maybe you try because sometimes they will have like, "Oh, Carnegie Hall." It, uh, they set up a certain type, I, I have a, an expectation of the kind of thing, the kind of event that happens there. But also, they, you could go and like, oh, it's a comedy show tonight. I didn't realize. I thought it was, like, you should do some research if you're a consumer of, uh, of entertainment, of the arts, and be like, what show am I going to see? Watch a clip of the comedian. See if it's what you would enjoy or what you could enjoy, and then you won't be disappointed. But there obviously always are people who go to a comedy show who are like, it's Saturday night, it's date night, it's girls' night out, it's guys' night out, it's a bachelor party, it's a bachelorette party, whatever it is, uh, or it's just like... And it's not bad for people to trust that, oh, maybe this this comedy club always gives us uh, people that we like in general. But so apparently there was a lesbian couple right up front during uh, this show, uh Nick DiPaolo headlining, and my friend was featuring, so on right before Nick DiPaolo, and Nick is, if you don't know... He's like a conservative dude and, <laughs> uh, is like, you know, un- I'm not gonna, like, he is hilarious. Like, right. he, he is, if you check, you know, watch, look at his old, like, videos or his, like, you know, his late night sets, his albums, like, uh, I don't. I think now he is main. uh He's doing a radio show or like you know a, a satellite show or possibly. I like, I'm not sure. I don't know what he's doing right now. I'm not a <laughs> I'm not, I'm not keeper. Look, look
1: him up. Look up. Right now, balls. Uh but, I just checked his Facebook. He's taking a nap. So. Oh,
0: good, good, good. So <laughs> uh, he is a guy who like I definitely don't agree with all of his political views. Uh, but I can I knowing that like the same way I could watch Patrice O'Neill and be like, man, this guy is right about race, right. and uh, <laughs> maybe not about gender right. all the time. You know, <laughs> right. like uh, he has these guys have points of view that I think are valuable, and especially when filtered through the the mechanism of their comedic brain, like their it's worthwhile. And you know, I don't watch. Nick or Patrice, and when they when they say something I don't agree with, I don't you know yell because uh, yeah. right now it's you know I'm it's on a computer and it's in the past or whatever. But I don't <laughs> you know ah. I don't, if I don't want to watch it, then I'll stop watching it. If I you know if I want to walk out, I'll walk out. But most of the time, like if it's something I disagree with, I'll just be like, oh, that helps me crystallize my own views. Like right. if why do I disagree with it? It's because I think this is the truth. It's as, this is the way. Maybe and- that's your truth. Maybe it's not a universal right. truth. And here's mine and here, because a lot of the times comedians will make generalizations and they can be true of a certain population. Maybe, right. you know, maybe people are saying it's nature, but it's actually nurture, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, oh, and it's grounds like the same thing as before. Don't just shut it down, like open it up and have it be grounds for like a new conversation. Uh, or, you know, a greater, uh, a greater communication. Try to understand where people are coming from. And you don't have to agree with everybody to respect them. But apparently, so this, there's a lesbian couple in the front row, and my friend is featuring, and he's like, you know, compared to Nick, tame. Like, and he noticed that this couple, what, they were, they, you know, obviously didn't come to see Nick specifically. Uh, because, uh, here, I don't even know. Uh This isn't necessarily fair to Nick to, to categorize this as a joke that he's told. But I've heard him say, like, Rosie O'Donnell, like, you know, she's fat and I don't like her. You know, like, right. I'm like oh, like there might be a punchline, but there might not. Like, that's, <laughs> kind that of is attitude, a thing
1: that is true.
0: That, <laughs> it is not fair. I don't think it's unfair to say that Nick might uh, say something like that. Maybe with more humor to it. I'll give him right. that. Right.
1: Uh, or he could. Now. Maybe he could just say that as a non sequitur and then move to the next joke. Like, Possible. She's fat and I don't like her. Uh, also, here's some comedy. <laughs> yeah.
0: just wanted to get that out there. I'm allowed to say whatever I want, by the way.
1: Right. No, uh, because this is America. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> so my buddy is on stage and he sees that during his set, this uh, this couple is uh like sort of you know hemming and hawing sort of like arms folded like harumph you know and uh and he's like oh no he's like foreseeing what's gonna happen so then nick gets on and does his act and throughout the the entirety of the time that they were there they were doing the same they're like "Mm, uh,"
1: you know just like
0: noticeably visibly reacting which you know you have a obviously it's an uncomfortable situation they're like they made the the wrong if they're not enjoying it they made the wrong decision they what what are the choices just sit there and be sad or get up and leave uh, i mean they didn't yell they didn't do anything but i think they were active enough that nick eventually just re- reacted to them and said to one of them hey I wouldn't fuck you for practice.
1: Oh my like, god.
0: No. <laughs> oh my. And, uh, and they got up and left. Um, <laughs> which I think in that situation is the right thing for them to do. Like, right. uh, and you know, Nick's a comedian. He's doing his show. He's doing, he's, he can, when you're on stage, as long as you're not, you know, physically threatening someone, you can say whatever you want. If the audience is free to leave, they can leave. Uh, Mm. and again, like, I am a, I'm a huge fan of uh, gay people, lesbians, bisexual, transgender, all the, the letters on the, the rainbow alphabet. Uh, but certainly, I guess I wouldn't rec, I, if that, if that couple had asked me, should we go to Acme tonight? I probably would have said no. Right. Uh, you should go on any other... you should come when I'm there. Have have you ever,
1: have you ever gotten heckled or walked, walked someone or anything? I am sure that there have been people that have
0: left my shows uh i think <laughs> no. uh i mean definitely at the end like people are not still <laughs> in all the rooms where i've ever performed that's a good way to build up a fan base
1: <laughs> you just uh, lock the just lock the doors and uh ha, you co- you're and the only you get, one this audience is dead right, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're the only one who comes back and out goes in and out and then just keep them there um yeah. that'll that'll work
0: Put, put, uh, holes in the box that the audience is in. (laughs) Eat them every once in a while. Right.
1: That's how you get laughs. Who wants food? All right. Well, (laughs) let me do 30 minutes.
0: (laughs) You yes, certainly, I've, you know, heckling isn't as prevalent as, uh, I think, you know, the media would suggest or like, you know, movies or TV shows about comedy. Mm -hmm. Like on most nights, uh, like most of the time it's not even like malevolent, you know, or malicious. It's mostly, uh, malevolent, like an evil he- the heckler. <laughs> You're not funny. Have a soundtrack. <laughs> that would be that's interesting because in, in Batman's world, the Joker is a villain, so I guess the heckler would be the good guy.
1: If <laughs> Batman's uh, the heckler.
2: Yeah, Batman is heckling
0: the <laughs> Joker's business. Uh, I guess I should be on the other side. Uh but I like I remember I did a CD release show uh in June when uh when my last album came out and uh I remember there was, like, a girl... It was mostly, you know, people... At, it was in a, a small place in the village in New York City, Uh and probably, you know, if there were 50 people there, it would have been completely packed, and it was it was close to full, and there was, like, mostly people, you know, who were friends and friends of friends and, you know, fans, but then there was, like, a, a girl in the back who I don't know who she was or if she was there for the show, but she was just super drunk, and just during my set would just, like answer as though it was just me and her having a conversation (laughs) wow and like it became you know i you know initially try to ignore it but she keeps doing it so eventually i engaged her and like that's the kind of thing that like when somebody's so drunk normally if you're at a comedy club you might get escorted out at that point if it's like a well-policed room like ideally you know there's some people some comedians and here's the thing comedians are different some comedians thrive on audience interaction like that. Right. Uh, and I'm fine for it in certain situations. Like, I'm not going to tell people. I mean, I will tell people in general, don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll tell people if somebody, like one time a guy came up to me uh, after a show uh, and was like, hey, man, I was the guy who yelled out that thing. And I was like, and he was like, can I buy a CD? And I'm like, oh, clearly he's being supportive. He thinks he's helping. And I was like, oh, yeah, definitely you can buy a CD. Also, just so you know, you don't. That's not the right thing to do. Don't yell those (laughs) things out. And he's like, no, 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 wasn't, I I should have, I I was, I was, it was helping. Like that's like the attitude. So he went on (laughs) his, he went
1: on like his Twitter and was like, I just opened for Mike Kaplan.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I I opened for him, I middled for him, and then afterwards I closed it out right after while he was selling merch. I did everything. He didn't even need to be, here was another time, uh, sorry I cut off my own story. Sorry to interrupt (laughs) myself, but uh. (laughs) I did a like a holiday party uh, over the Christmas uh, Christmas time over the Christmas time. Uh, that's how people say it, right? I'm a dude. Uh <laughs> Over the Christmas time, I did a holiday party and uh, it was like for a company so it was just like 30 people in this uh, in the small room at a club uh, that had you know they'd rented it out and they're like, here we are. it's our company Christmas party. And I remember I was doing a part, I forget exactly the joke I was doing or what this guy said, but uh, this guy yelled something or was, you know, being just really, you know, enjo- boisterous and, you know, but, but now it's the part where, like, everybody knows... He's like, oh, he's that guy. Everybody knows him. Right. And at some point, he was... I said something funny in reaction to a thing that he said. And he was like, look at that. If I hadn't said that, then you wouldn't have said that <laughs> funny thing. Wow. And I, I said back to him, yeah, but I also would have been saying funny things regardless. <laughs> like, it's, you didn't make there be more funny things. You just, you just made me say a different funny thing... Then the funny thing I would have said, like now we have less time to say the things that I would have said. Like, I, I opened for Louis a few times, uh, Louis, uh, Katz, and, uh, Louis Katz, a funny comedian who I did a show with last night, but I did mean Louis CK, sorry oh, to, OK, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't for a lot of guys named Louis, you guys. Yeah, uh, if you wouldn't Louis. have
1: went with, uh, if you wouldn't have went with Katz, I would, I, I would have thought you were gonna, uh, like, like Louis the, I don't know, the cable Louie. guy or something, but Louie. yeah, yeah when you say yeah. Louis Cats. I was like, that is also believable. Yeah, oh yeah,
0: it's totally plausible. We uh, the cat soup. <laughs> uh, the, that's what the K and C K stands for. Actually, <laughs> uh, he's named after cats of the sea, uh, which is uh, tuna fish. There's actual cat in there. So, um, but they can have. There's a, a legal amount that they can have. Sorry. Okay. So the point is, I just seeing getting to work with Louis, uh, which is you know a thrill. Uh in itself like I would see him sometimes like his audiences are in general like they know who he same thing with Kamal, you know, like they know who he is, they know what they're there for. so it's like nobody's like, what why is he like but every once in a while there would be a guy like somebody maybe too drunk or too excited or whatever that would yell out uh and then Louis's reaction to a heckler would just be like i uh I just wanna say the things that I wanna say, like we'll <laughs> all enjoy that more then you saying something and then me saying this like not i don't have things to say (laughs) to you for like and he you know he wouldn't go on for a long time but it would be clear he's like i don't have a like don't do that i don't have a thing to say about that i just came to say the things that i want to say and that's what 99 percent of everybody else here wants to see so uh you know which i think is also a great way of dealing with a heckler by not being funny and being like if people are like, hey, you're supposed to be funny. Like, well, you're supposed to not be talking. Right. right. So now uh, this
1: is happening. We both
0: do the things that we are supposed <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah.
1: Now this not funny part that no one's enjoying is happening. Yeah. This, and uh, if you shut up, we can go back.
2: Yeah. They didn't come for this. You, they paid they to hear me, not you.
1: Yeah. Fans are getting so entitled just in general. Anyway, there was a basketball game the other day where a guy, um f- he fell into the stands trying to uh block another guy's shot and uh he was eh, they were playing away so he wasn't you know it wasn't the home crowd that was rooting for him it was the team that was you know the crowd that was rooting against him and when he got up he he thinks one of the guys called him the n-word uh if at least uh at minimum the guy admitted to calling the, the guy a piece of crap and you know we're talking about a 50 year old man talking to a 19 year old kid and the 19 year old kid pushes him and then, er you know, then everybody restrains them and uh, all that stuff. But to me, like the story, obviously, you never want to touch a fan or whatever. I mean, obviously, and the guy got suspended. But there's this other part that's like, you shouldn't be doing that as a person who came to be entertained. Yeah. At Like, you don't really have the get that privilege to completely disrespect somebody because you want the ball to go into the other hole, you know?
0: No, there's... I mean, there's situations where obviously, like, somebody does something wrong, but then, you know, somebody does something wrong in reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, you know, it's hard... It can become more difficult to, you know, emotionally and, you know, intellectually separate, like, you know, what should... what is the right thing to do? Like, uh there's a thing, maybe we've talked about this. Uh, I know I've said this before, like, that I... And I I didn't... I wasn't the first person to say it, and uh, now I haven't even said it, so never mind. But, uh... <laughs> The, the idea that, like, if there's a breach of etiquette, uh, often it is a worse breach of etiquette to point out that breach of etiquette. Mm. Like, you know, if somebody, you know, is at a dinner party and picks up the wrong fork or something, and then somebody else is like, you're using the wrong fork! You know, like, you know, right. r- loudly, you know, reprimanding. Like, the, the, for that person, the better thing to do would have been to, you know, be the bigger person, be like, oh, that person's doing the wrong thing, but I shouldn't do a wronger thing by being rude. Right. Like, the same way, you know, if somebody, if there is a heckler, uh, I mean, I think that's the thing that came w- into play with, like, the Daniel Tosh situation. Yeah. Uh, like, when somebody <laughs> heckled him, uh, he responded, like, some people might think, you know, in an overreactionary way. Like, if you actually did threaten somebody with rape as a reaction to a heckle, uh, I think that would be the wrong thing to do. <laughs> and I think that was part of the, the discussion of, did he do that? I don't think right. he did. I think he was, you know, because they were talking about that and i think it i think it's clear where his heart lies right uh and it's not necessarily the greatest heart in the world i think but he's the kind of guy who says things that are horrible says things yeah. that if he meant them <clears throat> then yeah he should go to jail if he thought that that woman should be raped but right uh he does i mean not even i mean i guess if you think somebody that doesn't mean anything but uh i'm like you shouldn't go to jail just for thinking something you shouldn't go to jail most of the time just for saying something unless it is something that you know is definitely a threat uh or you know and so
1: much so much of his comedy the punchline of the joke is i'm a terrible person of course yes unstated but you know it's we're We're laughing at this guy, and he's kind of the butt of his own ignorance, like, hey, I just said a really ignorant thing about something or some culture and and I don't even like care, I don't even realize it I'm just oh yeah, I'm just he's, saying this
0: He's one of the only guys who's like a you know sort of a good looking straight white male who uh isn't like the butt of his own jokes as far as like, you know, people like Louie or Bill Burr or Brian Regan were like, you know, I'm a dummy. I don't know what I'm talking about. And they're actually, you know, the smartest people that there are. But like Daniel Tosh is like, you know, yeah, I'm good looking and rich and uh, smart and white. And oh, man, it's great. I I don't care. I'm entitled, you know, like, I'll take it, you know, and yeah, he's certainly not a likable character. If he's actually like that, maybe right. he's not a likable person, but his comedy is, if you, if you want it, it's funny. You know, yeah. if you don't want it, then don't watch it. Don't go, leave, turn it off, stop listening, don't watch his show. But uh, I, you know, and he's certainly, I think, occupies a place in the world now where I don't think he's doing damage. Like, I don't think if, you know, people enjoy him, if they're bad people, I don't think he's making them worse people. I don't think, you know, and I think I, you know, as a person who, you know, I, I, whether there's a good or a bad, you know, good person, bad person, whatever it is, we're all, you know, multifaceted and have our flaws. But, you know, if you're the kind of person who uh, is on the right, you know, say Kamau, a good person, like Mm -hmm. if he laughs at a Daniel Tosh joke uh it doesn't make him less of a good person it doesn't mm-hmm. make you know more evil exist in the world like patton Oswald quoting somebody about uh you know political correctness doesn't make him less a it makes you know him a, a more nuanced well-rounded uh person you know you have to sort of it makes sense to know your enemy or if you know, whatever the enemy is like mm-hmm. no like more information <laughs> and more communication is almost always better
1: yeah and i mean i think a lot of times too like there's a, a kind of an industry that's been created, um, you know, with the internet, people, everyone gets a voice now. So <clears throat> it's not necessarily like, you know, like I think that story, that story of, uh, Daniel Tosh working out material, running a, a, a person that was, that he felt heckled by, um, in like 10 years ago, that becomes maybe somewhat of a, like, did you hear about that one time or did he, whatever oh, yeah. happened? And now it's like a blog and it becomes like a Huffington and post story. Think pieces. And, right. There's, yeah, people writing think pieces. There needs to be an apology from Comedy Central. Like there's, like there's like an entire like machine behind it. And, um, while I'm not really like, I kind of think it, it goes too far sometimes with the apology machine. I do, I do like that it challenges comedy in a way where I like for people to think about what they do on stage. And I don't mean that in the, uh, passive aggressive, like, think which i mean agree with me i mean think where like even if you say something offensive i like when comedians are like oh no 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 no! i meant it in the offensive way for you to to laugh at the offense of it like i thought that through this is why it's funny i kind of like just the discussions that we get to have that we didn't necessarily get to have before um the late, the latest guy um Uh, you know, comedy legend, Jerry Seinfeld kinda got, um, not even kinda. He really got railroaded by Gawker, who wrote like a really salacious, um, write up around his commentary, which I didn't think was that inflammatory, but they were asking him about, um, uh, diversity in comedy. Oh yeah. I heard about this. Yeah. And, and you know, his, his, he was kinda like, who, who cares? But in a like, I care about what's funny, not, who cares at all? But just like, I, I care yeah. about what's funny and that just happened to be these 10 people that I know that I started out my show with and they happened to be white males. But the, but, and I, and I think there's a discussion to be had there, but instead the piece was like, Jerry Seinfeld is racist, says who cares about diversity? It's like, now we can't have a discussion because you went so far with your anger blog.
0: I, I completely agree. I mean, which, but I also think that Uh, you now having that we having this conversation and like, you know, it becomes there being like ripples and echoes where now people, you know, there are people who will not, there are certainly people who will just look at the headline and be like, well, I guess Seinfeld's a racist. And that is unfortunate. Right. Uh, Because I mean, there's, there's certainly reasons to dislike Jerry Seinfeld. Like I've watched a bunch of his episodes and I think they're like, I think he is like, you know, so he's like an entitled rich man in a certain way. like right. And he, it's not that he's required to be any other way, but like, I don't know, you know, and I'm not to say that I have the opportunity to be friends with him, you know, mm. but uh, I don't know if I would be mm. like, uh, but I also, I only know the part, the, the persona that he presents, uh, you know, for entertainment to the public for the most part, right. like, you know, I, my impression of him seems like he's like, you know a dude with a ton of money uh, and a family that he loves and cares about and does stuff with them. And then the passion for comedy that I also, that resonates with me that, you know, sometimes he says things like here's, I had Todd glass on my podcast and it hasn't come out yet, but uh a thing, here's a preview, a thing that he said <laughs> ab- about, uh which I don't know if it was exactly a reaction to, it was to a thing that Seinfeld says sometimes, but it wasn't mm-hmm. about that specifically. Like when Seinfeld talks about how he likes to write clean comedy, I read a thing where he was like, oh, because I see it as like, you know, you can defend yourself with a gun, but that's like, you know, clean comedy is like defending yourself with karate, you know, (laughs) like it's harder to do. And, uh, and so Todd said, uh, about like when people say that about Brian Regan, like he's hilarious and he's clean, you got to give him extra credit for that. And Todd's like, no, you don't have to give him extra credit. You should only give him like, he's hilarious cause he's hilarious. Period. Like, mm-hmm. if you, and he's, he went on, let me think of what he said. Oh yeah. If you give him extra credit for being clean in addition to hilarious, that means, like, you would have to say, Richard Pryor and George Carlin, of course they're really funny, but you have to admit,
2: they took the easy way out a little bit. Like, yeah. they
0: definitely, like, ah. you know, I'm like, no, not at, not at all. Like, some people- They threw
2: mud on themselves as they told the jokes. They dirtied themselves up.
0: Exactly. Like, so, <laughs> Uh, but here's, uh, there was an episode of, uh, Seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee with Todd Barry, Mm -hmm. where like, they were talking about all the shirts at Macy's and he's like, where do they go? Seinfeld's like, where do they go after that? Like, you know, what happens to them? They don't, people don't buy them all. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and Todd's like, maybe they just give them away to people, you know, like maybe people who, you know, and then Seinfeld's like, so I, I have to, I pay $80 for them, but then other people just get them. And like, Todd's like says something i'm paraphrasing he's like doesn't it make you feel good to know that they're not going to waste that people are getting them you know that somebody that they're being used and some and seinfeld's like no it doesn't make me feel better (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that's a a funny thing to say but i think it comes from a real place that like and maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm buying into it, but i feel like you know you are you know you're not exactly who you present yourself as as a comedian like and sometimes you're the opposite like sarah silverman We know when she says things that, like, if you read it on paper and didn't know where it came from, that's racist, that's homophobic, that's sexist. But through her, her body of work and, you know, her delivery and her, you know, her actual, you know, forthright, heartfelt... You know, sincere, like her book, The Bedwetter, is amazing, and it's mm-hmm. like, completely, it's like, snark-free, it's like, just com- like, if you like, if you're like, I don't like Sarah Silverman's comedy, cause I prefer like a, you know, an emotionally, brutally honest, like Bill Burr, like, you know, just you know, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. a Mark Marin, you know, uh, then read that book, because that book is like, her doing that just as hilariously, and just, her stand-up isn't always, you know, like, sincere on its face, but you can tell the sincerity of her positions underneath, like when she said something that uh we're like, oh, we're laughing at racism, not at her being racist. Right. And
1: co- Comedians are a brand. And also, you know, you have to present certain things. I mean, that's why they polish their acts. That's why they, uh you know, some jokes retire. Some jokes keep going. Like, it's always a constant. Like, this is my face today. And if you skip forward two years, you know, that comedian may. I mean, like all people may have developed some other stuff or whatever about him. The thing I think Seinfeld should do is um he should just go ahead and make like a uh a, like another comedy web series but with like African Americans and <laughs> and stuff and just call it something else like comedians on a bus uh getting robbed or comedians, comedians
0: who can't afford cars not right? <laughs> buying
2: coffee.
1: Comedians and metro cards. Comedians on the corner getting ignored by taxis uh so you know getting followed around stores something like that and then i feel like all will be forgiven because it's like oh cool he made it up and we can just start over so
0: it- I mean, definitely the point that when yeah taking out of context him saying who cares about diversity like he doesn't mean nobody should care about diversity <laughs> right. as a concept that he didn't say he hates all races right no, he yeah He's like saying, <laughs> when it comes to being funny uh who cares about diversity? What's funny to me is what's funny to me. Right. I mean, and then from an external point of view, if you look at him and you're like, oh, well, mate, you you're friends with a lot of straight white men because that's that's the the bulk of people who was doing comedy when he started. Right. Like most people who've been doing comedy thirty years or more are straight white men. Like there's no getting around that. Like there's certainly a lot more younger people uh, doing it, but and there's certainly a lot less famous people. Who are not just straight white men, but for the people that Seinfeld knows, like, they're, he doesn't, you know, if he's like, I wanna hang out with guys, with people my age, like, and who are comedians, then, uh, those are the ones that he knows.
1: I think he should just, like, I think it actually would have been better if he rejected diversity as a concept. Cause at least the article would have made sense. Cause like when I read that article, I was just like, but that one, cause like the clip is in the article and it's like, it's, it is almost like they are counting on the fact that no one's going to read it. No you one's going to hit play on that clip. No, like you're just yeah. going to see a title and go fuck uh, Jerry Seinfeld. The end. Cause,
2: cause that's what most people do. We live in a society that's very, very short in seconds, minutes. And you know, if you can't tell it in, you know, oh, yeah. so many seconds we've got, we got to move on to the next thing.
0: You know, uh, there was a, uh, this, this thing that happened with this Canadian butcher shop putting my joke on their window. Did you guys see this?
1: Yes, yes, I heard about mm-hmm. it, but please tell the audience. Uh,
0: so I, I did a joke. I'm vegan. I did a joke about being vegan on, on Conan and, uh, it was a couple years ago. And then just all of a sudden, like it, over Christmas, my joke was on this butcher shop's window. And then I, I'm actually going to look up now how many, uh like where uh, how many people have seen it because it went like viral it was like at the time 600,000 people i think had wow. uh had seen it on reddit and uh on imgur and uh i'm going to click on it and you weren't credited at first right oh no i not at all so uh it was yeah you know, my name wasn't there so it looked like they were just saying a thing about vegans and ha- the joke is about how uh, vegans live longer because we're not any invited anywhere fun or dangerous. <laughs> so we sit at home crying and drinking, careful not to cry into the drink because tears <laughs> are a product of animal suffering oh. that we're not allowed to have. And so they put that, but they took away the we part of it. And so it's now these guys are just like, oh, so from a vegan's perspective, I'm like, hey, we're sad, right? Right. Uh, but from their perspective, it's like, hey, don't be vegan. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be sad
2: if you do. Yeah, that. it
1: wasn't even like the joke was like uh, from a superior. It was taken to something where it's like people use this as like a vegans are superior to everyone. And I'm going to flip it on his head and say, no, we're not necessarily superior. You guys don't want to hang out with us. And that's kind of the joke, you know?
0: Right, it's about, it's about the, the perception that people have of vegans. So coming from a vegan, it has, it has a certain context, but not coming from a vegan, it's just the attitude that I'm aiming to, like, combat in the, like, another thing people say is, like, vegans don't have a sense of humor. So, right. you know, not knowing that the joke is coming from a vegan, uh, and, and a lot of, uh, it's really interesting. So now, I think, I looked at the link now, 738,000 views on Ingor. Oh. So, And I, so I wrote a thing in response to it on my website, uh, and that also then, uh, didn't, it certainly didn't go as viral, but you know, it got picked up by the Huffington Post and different blogs and, uh, so I, and that was all I could do, like, which, Mm -hmm. that's, that is the way the world works, like, if, you know, when during the last presidential debates, Paul Ryan went on TV, and, uh, you know, I think he was the re- Republican vice presidential candidate and he would say things that were like patently false, not true. He would like not, you know, uh, basically it can like making up statistics or say misquoting people saying that things were, that were not. Mm-hmm. And like millions of people might've been watching that on TV. And the next day, every newspaper that would like, you know, re- reviewing the coverage would be like, Oh, here's what he said. Here's what the truth is. But Millions of people don't read those papers, like th- maybe hundreds of thousands, but just like a much smaller percentage of people would see the retraction, would see right. the facts, would see the truth. Mm-hmm. So most people are just like, oh, that's true when it's not. And then, a you know, very limited set of people. So, you know, I did everything that I could in this situation to, uh you know, to not ri- right the wrong sounds right. like, you know, like high and mighty and hoity toity. and But you like-
1: wanted to you wanted to at least clarify and get you know, the whole story out there as much as you could.
0: And, and so then, and the reason I brought it up is uh, a lot of the blogs that picked it up, like, you know, I wrote it, the thing that I wrote was like, you know, factual, but also meant to be funny. It was like, you know, there's some tongue in cheek stuff. There's like jokes in it. Like, I'm, I'm not like, I'm angry. This is the way, you know, there's so many other things to get angry about in the world than a joke being mislabeled as belonging to a butcher shop, than a comedian, uh, I mean, I think it is, you know, in this context, important to discuss. Like, I'm, right. I think that the ownership of jokes, the propriety of jokes, like, you know, especially in the age of the internet where, uh, people, like, I'm actually, I, hopefully, uh, on my next album that comes out in May, the, there'll be a bonus track of me telling a story about this okay. because that joke will be on the album. And then I had like a back and forth and like, uh, that, have, you, have I, you already named the album? Yeah, the album will be called Small Dork and Handsome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that awesome.
0: It'll also be a special, uh, uh, you know, video-wise that'll, you can watch on Netflix, uh, starting in mid-May.
1: Cool, uh, man. Congratulations.
0: Thank you. Uh, so yeah, so hopefully that story, so the Netflix special will be there for free for everybody and then, who has Netflix, and then you can also be able to download it on iTunes. And so just, I know that, uh, I got, I was inspired by uh, Bo Burnham put out his new special on Netflix and for free on YouTube uh, and it's amazing it's called what uh, like watch watch the beginning watch the last ten minutes of it and then also watch the middle but like the is <laughs> the, the beginning and end are like really impressive like he is 23 he's been at it for like seven years and he is really like uh, you know a, a genius I think he's super he's really funny and thoughtful and does really interesting things but the thing that's relevant here is I also bought the album and noted, like, because I'm like, I want to have it. I want right. to be able to listen to it, even though I can watch it for free anytime I want. Uh, but when I downloaded it from iTunes, it also had like five bonus songs that weren't in the special. Oh. So I was like, oh, that's nice. So that it's not just uh, <laughs> for if people are like, oh, I'm just getting the same thing I can get for free. So at least with this, I'll have one extra track that you won't get in the special uh, because it happened after it was recorded and it's a, you know, sort of a, a more it's you know more of a story than stand up specifically but I recorded it in front of an audience uh just the other night uh this week and uh I feel pretty happy about it and uh so but and anyway part of the story is that people you know when when I you know the the question of initially when this thing happened it was like right I think Christmas or the day after Christmas and people started like trickling in with like hey isn't this your joke I'm like oh yeah weird it's on a butcher shop window uh and then eventually, like, I was like, ah, forget. And I didn't think to even respond to it. I was just like, oh, weird that that happened. But then it kept happening. People kept writing to me. <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> uh, and
0: I was like, oh, my God. And then I saw how like hundreds of thousands of people. And I was like, oh, and then BuzzFeed picked it up. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, it's like it's not going away. It's getting bigger and bigger. And so like a week later, it was like on New Year's Eve, actually, that I I wrote my response to it. I was just like, hey, this is what happened. I wrote, I, I wrote a joke and now they have my joke and I just want to let people know if you didn't know, it's my joke. And then, you know, I uh, sent it just to a couple, like, you know, comedy journalist friends of mine. And then it, you know, it ran. And so a lot of the, there was some backlash, like, you know, as, as with anything on the internet, like there were some people that were like, suck it up, pussy. Right. But, uh, <laughs> then there were, you know, a lot of people, like friends and fans and supportive people who were like, we're on your side, pussy, you know. <laughs> uh, you know. That's a funny thing that I wrote, uh, for that to go there. Uh, but yeah, so that is, uh, the, you know, the, but oh, I, I didn't even get to it. I'm sorry to, yeah. to keep, uh, railroading myself, but the point that I <laughs> wanted to get to was when people like the Huffington Post would cover this thing, they would put a link to what I wrote and then they would put quotes, but then they would also in their titles make it sound more inflammatory than I intended oh. it to be. They'd be like, vegan comedian. Fumes over, <laughs> you know, like, vegan is steaming over this. <laughs>
2: you know?
0: And I'm like, I understand they're getting, you know, they're going for like wordplay things. They're going for inflammatory things to get clicks, you know? And right. I'm, I don't, obviously I want people to see the thing as well, but it's like, they're, they put a quote from my thing and they're like, Kaplan fumed. I'm like, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm using, the, raising my voice because it was right. the internet and I, there was no tone. But, but there, there is, uh, there
1: is a tone to those articles where it is like, <laughs> So and so lays the smackdown or slams. You know they do it politics. Sarah yeah. Palin slams okay. Obama. Yeah. It's All like they
2: the sound effects. It, yeah, and it it's a it's
0: especially like I mean most people don't know and I I often forget as well. Like in the person writing the article isn't the person usually writing the headline? Right. Like the person writes the article and they could be as measured and cautious and like even handed and fair minded as possible, but then they throw on a thing that says. Jerry Seinfeld doesn't care about black people, right. and like, oh, vegan hates butcher, you know, like, like, and they're like, oh, that wasn't what I meant, that wasn't my point, I, you know, uh, but yeah, because people especially, I'm sure that, you know, in today's day and age, it's easier uh, to get, like, a bite-sized bit of, you know, a tweet or a two-minute YouTube video as opposed to maybe, you know. Decades ago, you know, millions of people would sit down and watch the news from beginning to end. And yeah, you'd I care mean. about the journalistic integrity, be like, oh, this guy says it. So it must be true
1: because, you know, I else,
0: trust this guy. Nothing else is on me, t-
1: TV either. You know, there's nothing else ex- to watch.
0: Exactly. And so, <laughs> now, I mean, it, that's one of the great things about, obviously, the Internet and the world is that we do have like so many more. Have you? Do you guys know George Saunders?
1: Um, I don't know if I know George Saunders.
0: George Saunders is an amazing writer who uh he put out a book this year called uh, I think it's called The Tenth of December, which I haven't read yet, but I've read a couple other things by him. He won the MacArthur Genius Grant. Uh, you know, he got uh, money for I think writing. They, they're just like keep writing. Here's money to keep writing, like because his he writes some fiction, some nonfiction. The first thing I read of his was nonfiction called The Brain Dead Megaphone. And the first chapter of it, it's like a bunch of short, sort of short stories, pieces, essays. Uh, but the brain dead megaphone was about, he's like, imagine if you're at a party and uh, you hear somebody else talking really loudly and you don't, it doesn't matter what they're talking about, they're you just can't help but hear what they're saying. Mm. And maybe they're saying things that are incorrect or factually wrong, like ignorant, but like, then you start talking about what they're talking about. Cause like, can you believe what that guy's talking about? That's what happens when like, you don't want to be, you didn't want to be talking about this thing, but you're like, man, can you believe that guy? He's saying this. And like that guy is so loud that it controls what everybody's talking about. And he's like, that's the media. Like the media Mm. is just this brain dead megaphone, like yelling things that everybody can't help but hear uh And then, you know, sort of shaping the discussion, he's like, that's not good. What would be better is if there were everybody, like, tons of different conversations going on about all kinds of things, and everybody could hear everything. You know, you could listen to whatever you wanted, and, like, there was no overarching theme mm-hmm. just, rail, you know, ramming itself through everybody's conversations. Who can't Like, I don't care about what Justin Bieber just did. Like, <laughs> but, but I know that he did something. Yes. I don't care what Shia LaBeouf, I care that Shia LaBeouf, you know took somebody, took Daniel Clowes or Clow's, uh, story and, you know, pa- tried to pass it off as his own. Uh, but now, now I don't care. He did something with a paper bag. I don't care. I, and now I'm perpetuating it right. because I think it's important for me to talk about how I don't care about things like that.
1: I actually saw, I experienced that today. I was talking about, uh, there's this, in a, this NFL prospect. His name is, uh, Michael Sam and he came out of the closet, um, like yesterday or something. Mm -hmm. to the media and he's about to get drafted into the nfl and people are speculating what will this mean an openly gay athlete for the first time in the nfl and all this stuff um and um i was like you know i think it's pretty significant um just you know i think a lot of people uh are like talking about it weirdly where they're like well this is just a pr move and i'm like when has this ever helped somebody in this industry to you know like is he gonna skyrocket up like like our our nfl is everyone so enlightened now in the nfl that they're like oh we want this guy's number one pick because we can't wait to deal with anything about this right so you know i, I felt like that was kind of bullshit and then this one guy responds he's like well i just don't care and i was like well you seem pretty upset for someone who doesn't care and he was like well it's just that every time i turn on t- the tv they're talking about it They're not even showing like highlights of games and stuff. They're, this, they're, they're talking about this. And that's a bit of a hyperbole. I've been watching TV too, and they're not talking about it like instead of showing what, you know, sports, but, but I know what he means, which is that he doesn't, in my opinion, he doesn't want to know about it. And he wishes that they would talk about it, say, once every day as opposed to once every hour, hour. And, and he's getting pissed off because of that.
0: Oh, yeah. Obviously, the the fact that there are these 24 hour news channels like and 24 hour, you know, just they have to have content all the time. And so obviously there are things they could fill it with, but they can't, you know, the man hours, the woman hours, the person hours that go into like figuring out, you know, how to get all the obviously, you know, when I would drive around Boston, listen to NPR. Like if I was driving for more than a couple hours, uh, then at the top of every hour, I would hear the same news stories because that's the way I mean, that is right. the way the news cycle works like. And so the, the story here isn't that, you know, I mean, it's great that this guy is gay and is, is coming out and is talking about it and is, you know, because that the world is getting safer and right. better and things, it'll be great in, you know, a decade or a couple decades when people might, like when coming out won't even be like, you know, he's like, man, this is, this is a PR move. Like when it is just like, oh, I'm out now. It's good. People can be out. Like, and right. then when, it, when the actual reaction of who cares, won't matter as much right. but like we we live in a place now where like there yes some people a lot of people are like who cares but the answer is a lot of people right in, older <laughs> people conservative people in the wrong we like no th- keep queers off my, uh, <laughs> my i don't want my people slapping their butts to be gay <laughs> i don't want
1: them butts to be straight if you know? hit a man and you lay oh. on top of him and you hump him in a pile you need to do it as a heterosexual that's the problem <laughs> Yeah. If
2: you're reaching for crotches in a pal, you need right. to be straight.
1: When you put both of your hands down by my testicles and ask me to hand you something, you better be straight.
0: Yeah, it'll be great when, <laughs> when people can complain about gay people like this. When like, gay people, they are everywhere. They are <laughs> running the media. They are in charge of Hollywood, which maybe people do think now. They are like, like, not like gross. Not, you know, like when it's yeah. just like, Oh, shut up, gay people. You're less than 10% of the population, but you're greater than 50% of, you know, right. my Facebook feed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess I understand that's what people, people feel that, but it's only because gay people weren't saying anything before. Right. Like, I remember hearing in an interview with somebody, like maybe Louie or, uh there was somebody who's working on a show it might have been louis working on like chris Rock's show mm-hmm. and then when they said you know when he had the chris rock show on hbo i think uh and i think there was maybe a it was some show where there's a live audience component to it and they're mm-hmm. like what do you want the breakdown of the audience to be and they and they're he's like uh 50 50 black and white you know or you know, what, as as close to that as possible is that the way and they're like great we'll do we'll do like 80 percent white 20 percent black and that will look, that that will read as fifty right. fifty to most people. Like to the kind of like what to a, if a white you know, like if a white person they were like if a white person looked at an actual fifty fifty white black crowd, <laughs> like they would be like, there's t- that's more that's I've right. never seen that many black people. How <laughs> they're overrunning the place, which is be fair. In America, currently, yeah. I don't know what percentage exactly black people will comprise of the population.
1: I want to say 13% be, or something.
0: Yeah, It's certainly like it's not more than 20%. It's right. not, so to see a place where it is, uh, maj- if not even majority, but half black people, you'd be like, oh, right. that is not a representation of uh, society at large. So yeah. it is noteworthy. Like I think I
1: went, 20% yeah. is uh, there are black people here is 20%. And then like 50% is this is a black audience to most of America, you know? True. It's like, what is this? Deaf comedy jam? Like what is, what kind of show is Louie running here?
0: Oh yeah, exactly. And like I went to the, honestly, I, this is, I haven't had a physical in like two years. So I went with my new Obamacare insurance and went and got a physical today. And, uh, I went to, uh, someplace, it was either, I think it was like in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, uh, it was somewhere around there and, uh, I live in Park Slope, uh, and I go to, I go to Fort Greene a fair amount, but, uh, and I didn't know that, uh, I, I, honestly, I walked in and I was the only white person in the waiting room. <laughs> like, it was a packed waiting room, uh, and I, it was like, lit- like, you know, 15 black people and me, mm-hmm. and then maybe one more white person came in while I was there, and I was like, why, why am I thinking about this? Because, I mean, who, I'm like, number one, I'm like, am I not allowed to be here? You know, like, am I in the, did I, did I come to the wrong doctor's office? Is it like, honestly, I'm like, am I a racist for thinking any of this? Like, am I, is this like a barbershop thing? Will the doctor not know how to uh give me a physic? I'm like, of course that doesn't make any sense.
1: Uh, not, like, by the way, this is the solution to the Seinfeld thing. Uh, if he would have done the first 10 skits with only black comedians, everyone would have cared about diversity. Oh yeah! <laughs> everyone would have noticed that shit yeah, but, oh he's taking this seriously <laughs> well they'd be like well, where are the white people oh yeah
0: <laughs> like it it makes sense to say where are the anybody who's missing like not to right. be like accusatory right but like i mean the thing like the saturday Night live thing i'm sure you've talked about yeah like, yeah uh with sashir getting hired is uh and then other you know black females being hired to write as well mm-hmm. like it's the answer, the thing about when Seinfeld says something like, uh, who cares, uh, that isn't necessarily responsive to the question. Right. Like when, you know, a couple of years ago, like you would look at what they looked at Letterman and all the comedians who were on Letterman that year, I think it was like one woman, you know, maybe mm-hmm. one or two non-white people and then, you know, 20 to 40 white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like. It's not to say like, yes, white people make up the predominant, you know, like most of the population and most of, and even more of the population of comedians, mm-hmm. like most comedians are are white men for sure. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean like in, in percentages, yes, but in whole numbers, like there are probably, you know, thousands of comedians in this country right. or it's certainly thousands of people aspiring to be comedians working at being like in New York at any given night. There's, you know. 20 places where there's 10 comedians each, and sometimes they have the same comedians. I'm not going to do the math, but there's, you know, there's hundreds of comedians in New York City, hundreds in almost, you know, in many cities that have hundreds of comedians, thousands of people. So, there's absolutely, like, if you're like, oh, man, Saturday Night Live has only 10 people, so we can't find any black women. Didn't make any sense to say. Like, Seinfeld's saying, like, I mean, Seinfeld's had, like, he had Tina Fey on the show, he had Sarah Silverman, he had... Uh a couple black gentlemen as well. You know, he had Chris Rock, he had uh who was the other black dude? I don't remember. But uh I'm a racist, I'm sorry.
1: Uh <laughs> no, sorry. At least it would have been racist if you would have said he had Hannibal Burris, and we're like, that's not he wasn't on the shit. Oh talking man. About?
0: This was this is crazy that I was watching the I don't know if you are, how up to date are you with uh the manufactured outrage of today, but I just saw this that uh Samuel L. Jackson was on like some oh, Fox, Fox show or whatever. That's
1: not outrageous. That's hilarious. Is. That is. Oh, yeah. funny. I was gonna play that clip on the show. I'm gonna save it for tomorrow. I'm just enjoying listening to you talk. But okay, that that, that was, was my funny. shit, man. He would not let that dude go. I mean, he um, rode around with him. I mean
0: Here's the thing, though. So for for people who don't know what happened, this is another thing that mostly doesn't matter. Right. Like that, Samuel Jackson was on being interviewed by a white dude, and the white dude was like. So, uh, how, how basically something as vague as, like, you're, that, how did the Super Bowl commercial treat yeah. you? And then, the, and Samuel Jackson was like, what Super Bowl commercial? <laughs> and the guy was like, uh, maybe I'm talking to the, like, uh And it may have been that, he, and here's the thing, I heard that guy... And then Samuel Jackson just ripped into him, like, I'm not yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. I'm not, you know, like yeah. I'm not Morgan Freeman. I'm like, there's many black people that do commercials. Right. And like he was saying it in a faux angry, right. hilarious, like it was almost like motivated. a
1: comedian. It's almost like when a comedian has an audience member that says something and he's like, Okay, I'm gonna riff about this for a couple minutes. Oh, yeah, it was And that was it. it. Was
0: great. But then the commentary about that that followed, and this is I'm in, I'm in this waiting room full of black people yeah. watching this thing. And I'm like, oh my God. What uh doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just telling telling you where I am. Yeah, yeah. that's no, fine. That's it. it. fine. It's fine. Um, I got we're it. all enjoying it. Uh, but like then there's a couple white people on the TV like talking with that dude. And that dude just like, Yeah, I made a mistake. I tried to apologize. And they're like, he wouldn't even let you apologize. You were trying to apologize. He's like, was he really angry? Was he joking? I'm like you guys are idiots. Oh my Like he, he was mics off. Clearly, he's thought that you were racist, briefly. Like, you definitely did confuse him for a different black person. A thing that happens, and when it happens, you should feel bad and get (laughs) called out for it. You're not, you're not the worst person in the world. Right. But, you, you're a newsman, maybe if you're gonna say something plan ahead and he was
1: just made to feel a little bit awkward Uh, you know minimum it was unprofessional like he, like he like you gotta know who you have like it'd be like if you come on the show and i start asking you questions for like a different comedian it'd be like well hold up now i didn't do that shit and that you know like it's unprofessional and it was kind of funny because we have the stereotype of all black people look alike
0: and to be fair i mean uh, that guy did when he was saying, like, I was, you know, we admit our, I admitted my mistake, like yep. I admitted I made a mistake. Uh, and he, you know, he wasn't like ribbing into him or anything. Like right. because nobody, it's not the hugest, you know, deal in the world. It's just the guy made a mistake. And like, when you're a comedian and you make a mistake, like, you make fun of yourself too. Like, if you're like, oh, right. I screwed, like, if I were that dude, I would have just started calling him other black people's names. Right. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, Sashir. Like, right. you know, <laughs> are you Key or Peel? Like, right. are you, you know, they're the same guy, right? Like, <laughs> right. you know, and, be, and obviously then you're making, you're, 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 you're making yourself the butt of the joke, but you're also in on the joke, you know? Right. Like, we all make mistakes and, I think there is, and here's the thing: I might be stepping into it here. Mm-hmm. I think there is research that shows that people of whatever you know, whatever race means, whatever race you are, right? Like you will be able to d- d- distinguish more nuanced differences between members of your own race than oh, members yeah. of another race.
1: That's that's yeah. scientifically true, though. Like that's actually been proven with uh, police sketches and stuff. How and how they say people describe other people, like uh when uh white people describe like a a black person they may uh they might refer to something like their hair or maybe like their their eyes or something like that when black people describe uh that that same criminal if that if it was a black person they were describing it would be like skin tone oh yeah um things of that nature you know how wide their nose was so like there there's things that people notice i don't think anything's racist about saying that
0: yeah I- uh- Additionally, I think I've heard a study that says that you know obviously there's racism indoctrinated into all of us. You know, even right. black people are biased against black people right. when like looking at like you know if if, as, if looking at like a white person or a black person as a sketch, not even like a crime has been committed, but like yeah. what the the impression that you get from that is like you know is this person scarier than this person or is this person like more likely to be a criminal or more likely to be dangerous? Like white people and black people alike mm-hmm. will. I uh, will be like, yep, black people are
1: scarier, right? Because it's systematic. It's it's it gets ingrained into you, like you said, the uh the the megaphone thing. Like yeah. it's not necessarily uh something you're willfully thinking about. You just constantly get a drone of something in the background, and eventually you will kind of adopt it as your um you know as your value system. Karen, y- were you gonna say something?
2: Yes, yes. Uh, you making me think about when we had went to the Chinese place. Mm-hmm. And about how or like the oh my god
1: we went (laughs) um now look this is a lot of places in America so we went to a Chinese restaurant that was run by like uh Koreans I didn't know that (laughs) and then the and the menus actually like Vietnamese anyway like most most of the time uh what people know is Chinese is not Chinese food. And then lastly, Karen looks at all the menu items and decides to order a Japanese dish. And uh, I'm, and I'm like, well, that's, there's no fucking way that's good. Like, I didn't that, know. you know, that's like, uh, why, it's why the cheesecake factory sucks. No place makes four and, or five different nationalities of food good, you know? Yes. And I was, so nice. she orders Japanese from this place and and it's shitty. And she's looking at me like, uh, oh, the, did they mess up the hibachi shrimp? And I'm like, of course they messed it up <laughs> just stick with the normal numbered shit that everybody else yes. sticks because those are the only things that are edible here yes then i got mad i was like hey where's my shrimp sauce i was right. like this is not what the fuck i wanted." it's <laughs> like they don't have that shit here but yes. it was yeah it you was like
0: t- read the oatmeal it's a web comic mm-hmm. uh there was an oatmeal comic where it was like uh in New York City, here's like how you get Asian food and then there's like five different buildings it's like Thai place, Japanese place, Vietnamese place, Chinese place, Korean place and then it's like in the, you know, in the middle of the country, here's how you get your your Asian food and it's like one building and it's like Thai, Japanese, Korean, Chinese, <laughs> Vietnamese place.
1: <laughs> right. It's like get all of it here. It's, I was like, and uh, I remember I was just like, that was a they all look alike moment for Karen because yes. she, she knows what Japanese food is. We've had food at Japanese yes. places. And it's hibachi and I was like, yeah,
2: yes, with hibachi. It just yeah. Is not
1: hibachi yeah i was like what were you thinking but yeah it was just one of those moments mike you got lucky because if they were only showing uh the samuel jackson clip then you got off lucky in a room full of black people there's this oh, sure. dude on trial today for shooting uh some innocent black kids because they had their music up too loud oh, and um ooh. he w- he went on the stand to defend himself Uh-oh. and everybody was like talking about that on social media and stuff i i i had to opt out i was like i can't can't go through this shit again but but it was like uh if they would have been watching that i feel like then maybe you would have been the person that didn't belong you would have had to like go get a physical another day or something
0: or at least i'd be in the right place you know if things got violent <laughs> yeah. okay. well you know me up. what seems to be the problem well i came to your office <laughs> uh, on the wrong day not to say that. <laughs> They get violent they might have just been
1: it'll be the only time it could be the only time that you want to be in the waiting room like, like you want to oh, yeah it's like you know what doctor take your time wait on some other patients come back when everyone's taken care of
0: yep yep you guys you guys first, yeah. you guys first. <laughs> i will Please. be the last to go
1: um I'll, I'll be at the back of this waiting room bus how about that neither here nor there rose roseanne Barr is fat and i hate her shirley temple dead at 85 um she's died today guys um Sorry. everybody remembers her as a child and, actress and
2: for some reason don't ask me why i already thought she was dead because all i see her as like a little kid tip dancing the round time an animal crackers in my soup
1: yeah. since i
2: was like eight years old and it's oh, in yeah. black
1: and white Yeah, so i
2: already thought the one was dead
1: she's so old like when she was a child she has a film that she did in blackface and she's so old that we all know it's okay that's old, you know, like yeah. there's oh, yeah. not too many people that old at, uh, left where you could be like, oh, yeah, that was that time when that was acceptable. But hey, I was a kid. I know any you better You'd go. All right. That's cool. You know, you know,
0: yeah. Two, uh, two, two quick things. One, uh, there's a comedian in Boston named Chance Langton. I believe this is he had a he's like been doing comedy since the 80s. And he had a joke about when he's like, when I was a, when I was a child, I first saw Shirley Temple on in a movie. She was eight and I was eight. I fell in love with her. Then the, the next month I she was doing a, like a signing at the mall. I was 8 and she was 50. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh and then uh this is the thing. Do you guys know JL Coven?
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, he's been on the show, so, friend of the show, um yes. all that stuff. Yeah. It
0: was really funny cuz I, you know, he is a half black, half white dude. Yes. Uh and he he put out a a new uh, his web series, Comedy Com- Academy. Yeah,
1: Comedy Academy, all, all not parts. Yeah, we, we, uh, put it on the, sh- on the, uh, website and all that stuff. We love, yeah, we love it.
0: Like, there's, uh, there's one where he does a JB Smoove impression that yes. I think is a great JB Smooth impression, but legitimately, I don't know what this says about, uh, me as a, as a, I, a person who remembers things and, yeah. uh, but I was like watching it. I, like, it looked like he, you know, JB Smooth is a darker skinned person right. than JL. So JL, like, Put on makeup or did some, you know, not blackface per se, but I was like, because I'm yeah. like, oh my god, can he, wait a second. Oh wait, no, he is, <laughs> he put on blacker face, I guess. <laughs> to-
1: yeah, it was, and it was for articulation, which is hilarious if you know, uh, JV Smooth's, yeah, watch, uh, diction.
0: J.B. Smooth and then watch that impression and it's, it's a good, he does some good impressions. You, yeah.
1: I told him, um, I was going to wait till that part came out. And then go and feign outrage on Twitter and like ah. really just drum up like a oh, lot great. of and uh just to help him out. But then I like at the end I just couldn't do it because like I do like him and I felt like any like it would only be two or three posts in before I was like, All right guys, listen, uh he's not ah, that bad, you know, so I, I couldn't do it. Um last thing before we get you out of here, Mike. Sure, sure. They announced today um uh, Comedy Central half hours that everybody's oh, yeah. getting. For 2014. Do you know all these people?
0: Uh, are you going to read them to me or should I look yeah, at the list? Yeah, I'm going to read them to you. Mm-hmm. I will. I, I did look at the list. I do know personally most of them. They are mostly my friends. Okay. Uh, but I do not know everybody, so go for it. Adam Newman. Adam Newman, friend of mine. Barry Rothbart. Friend of mine. Chris
1: DiStefano.
0: Chris, I believe it's pronounced De DiStefano. Uh friend of mine uh we so far all three of those people have been on my podcast so you can check them out. Chris Gethard. Chris Gethard been on the podcast a couple times, good friend. Saw him last night. Damien Lemon. Damien Lemon been on the podcast, friend.
1: Fortune Fe- Famester? I thought it was Fortune. Famester.
0: Uh yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but yeah. uh we are for- I was actually on a show last year, about a year ago with her. It was Fortune Themster and Friends. So or Fortune Famester and Friends. Not sure. But uh, I'm her friend, but not enough to know her last name's pronunciation. <laughs> Joe Wingert. Joe Wingert is a guy who I'm. I think I'm least familiar with. I don't know that I know him. If we've met, I'm sorry, Joe. But I, you're the person I remember least from this list.
1: The most unfortunate name on comedy right now, Joe Zimmerman. <laughs>
0: oh, of course, Joe Zimmerman is <laughs> the nicest guy. <laughs> Legitimately, <laughs> yeah. he is such a sweetheart. Uh, he's a good friend. We've done a bunch of shows together. He uh, watched his Craig Ferguson set. Yet his uh, his debut album just came out. It is super. He toured with a group called the Beards of Comedy. They're funny guys. Uh, Joe Zimmerman, great for comedy.
1: I'm signing up to fight him. So okay, hopefully you can. we'll see what happens <laughs> with that. Y'all yeah, gonna go beard to beard? <laughs> yeah, I have to do a lot of crack first. Um, <laughs> Kurt Brownoler, Kurt Brownoler, super funny and a friend, definitely. Uh, of course, Mark Norman.
0: Mark Normand, just got an email from him. Uh, absolutely. I got an email from him because uh, a good friend of mine, I, I hope it's okay to plug a friend. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. uh, my friend Ken Reed, uh, a guy who I started doing comedy with. In you know Boston. what?
1: I have a lot of friends that Ken Reed also.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, can't his name, <laughs> his first name is Ken. His last name is R-E-I-D. Oh. Uh, Ken Reed, uh, he just released his first uh, episode of his first podcast, which is called TV Guidance Counselor, where we, <laughs> I went, as a, the theme is people, uh, he, Ken loves, I mean, grew up on TV, movies, pop culture. His house is full of every movie he's ever seen. He has TV guides from like the 80s and 90s. You go to his house, you pick out a TV guide from like, I had one from 1992. And the episode just came out today, like a couple hours ago. Uh, you can listen to me and Ken and me talking about the choices that I made uh, of what I would watch during prime time every night of that week from that TV guide. And Ken tells me the decisions he would have made, the things I got wrong, the things I got right. And, uh, you know, and it's just a great framework for a conversation. And since they're doing the half hours in Boston, Ken asks me, uh, he's like, hey, who do you think would be good to do my podcast? And I I sent out some emails and uh, Mark was one that just got back to me. So Mark Normand,
1: friend. Cool. What about Michael Shea?
0: Michael Shea? Friend, uh, haven't gotten him on the podcast yet, uh, would have asked, definitely. He's a, he's a busy guy these days, but, uh, we did, we did a show together a couple weeks ago and we do them frequently. Uh, we are friendly.
1: His name is everywhere. Rachel Feinstein or Rachel Feinstein. Rachel Feinstein,
0: good friend, also recently chatted with, emailed, and we did Last Comic Standing together. That's, I think, mm-hmm. when we got to be, uh, closer than we had been, but, uh, yeah, you know, you see these are, I think a lot of them are from new york so i see him around new york a ton
1: uh ron funches
0: ron funches hilarious do you know ron don't he know is, ron oh you guys should he's a black gentleman uh like yourself mm-hmm. uh i mean everybody's different he's not exactly like you but he is <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he, watch his conan set like wha- go look up ron funches after we get off this uh phone after oh, we get man. off this computer phone because he is a delight. Uh, I, I love him and he's great.
1: Uh, Tommy Johnnigan.
0: Tommy Johnnigan. He also from my, uh, last comic standing days and the, the last comic standing tour afterwards. Uh, we are friends.
1: And Yanis Papas. Yanis
0: Papas. Uh, might be, might be pronounced Yanis, but. Oh yeah, uh, it, it is Yanis. Be- you're right. It might be Giannis Papas, Yannis Papas, Yannis Papas, Yonis Popas.
1: Uh,
0: Yannis Papas, I think, is what I say. I could be wrong. Uh, but it's no, I'm pretty sure, more sure than I was on fortune. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> unfortunate on that one. Uh, <laughs> unfortunate feature is her. Uh, but yeah, Yannis, uh, also, uh, used to, I think he lives in, I just found out he lives in Miami now. He's just down in Miami. I uh, didn't see him, but he used to, before he moved there, ran a show in Park Slope, uh, every Sunday that I would go to as frequently as possible. Uh, good guy. Good, uh, great, great set of comedians. So yeah, Joe Wengert's the only one who I think, uh, I, I have friends who know him and say that he's hilarious as well. Uh, so good choices, half hour selectors.
1: So last question. Uh, if you had to take one off so you could get on, what would you, who would it be? <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, I guess even though I hear he's funny, the only person that I don't know and so <laughs> feel as bad about would be Joe Wenger.
1: <laughs> and that's how Seinfeld cast his shit, man. <laughs> it's, not, it's not racist. It's just science, man. You just mm-hmm. got to yeah. take the dudes you don't know and you don't work with them.
0: And I left all the black people.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> you have a, a very diverse cast. All right. Last thing. And we're out of here. Uh, sword ratchetness. We always talk about it. A lot of people, um, have swords out here and they're not being responsible. In this case, a Spartanburg man has been charged with attempted murder less than a week after being arrested for neglect of seven children in his home. Oh. Yeah. We talked about this a long time ago when we did a guess the race and it was just guess the race of this guy. And I had no idea he also had a sword involved. Sheriff's deputy, uh, Mark Shannon Winkler, 40, held a bayonet to his mother's, uh, I mean, they say that he's not a deputy. They say, the, the deputy said that he did this. Okay. Um, yeah. He held a bayonet to his mother's throat and then stabbed her in the stomach with a sword. Uh, the deputies were called to the home around 3.30 PM. So he did it in the middle of the day. Um, and they had an argument over his wife's medication, uh, loraz- lorazepam.
0: Never yeah, bad. that sounds like
1: a medication. Yeah, that sounds pretty. I thought <laughs> you
0: were saying her name, La Rosa Parks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds like something you rub on yourself.
1: Yeah. La Rosa Parks just in time for uh for Black History. Um Winkler took 15 <laughs> of the pills uh according to the uh sheriff's and um apparently went crazy with this sword on his mom stabbing her in the stomach. Uh she refused uh treatment from emergency emergency medical services and she also didn't want him to be arrested. um yeah even though he had stabbed her in the stomach and had neglected his seven children the point of this is if you love somebody what you don't want to do is give them drugs and a sword okay people Mm -hmm. we talk about this constantly it's getting dangerous i hate to see people people will stab their own mothers with these swords guys there's no such thing as a display sword no they all cut. and a bayonet is even worse because it attaches to a gun you know,
2: oh, oh that's that. Oh, that's the one with the point with the, with the, um, sword on the end of the gun.
1: Yeah, it's like what those, uh, Civil War reenactors use and shit, you know, right? It's, oh, so you can stab and shoot. Yeah, it's the worst kind of sword weapon. It's a sword attached to a gun that's probably held by a dude that uh, identifies with the racism of the South. It's nothing positive coming from this situation. Um, but, uh, everybody's been warned. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, at seven. Um, thank you so much to Mike Kaplan.
2: Yes. Uh, thank
1: you. Uh the Hang Out With Me podcast, where you can find it dot com slash hang. Uh you can also find the latest episode on uh on iTunes. Um make sure you go to Mike Kaplan dot com, which is MYQ, and follow him on uh on Twitter, Twitter, Mike Kaplan. Like I said, man, very funny uh tweet tweeter. You will not regret following him. You won't. Everyone should already be following him. Thanks but, so uh, much. No problem. Thank you, Mike. Um, Until tomorrow, I love you. I love you too, baby. Mwah.